Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, covering development of the Amazon. So since Jair Bolsonaro ran for president of Brazil last year, he's been key campaigned, and then he has since instituted changes to rules regarding mining and logging in the Amazon. Basically, he wants to open it up to development. And this has caused, obviously, great concern, both among global environmentalists who know the value of the Amazon to the Earth's climate, but especially to the people who live there and to the indigenous tribes of people who live in this massive rainforest. There's an amazing, amazing story out this week in The New Yorker by John Lee Anderson about one such tribe in the Amazon rainforest and how they've dealt with this new reality under Bolsonaro. John Lee's here with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's terrific to have you. I mean, it was an amazing story. And I got to say, it's one of these pieces that I, as I read, I had so many questions like about how you pulled this off. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to know as oh. much. I wanted to know as much about the reporting process as as the story itself, although the story itself was 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 startling to me. I thought it was notable because it really brought us a, a sort of nuance to the debate that you don't often see, which is. Yes, a lot of people, a lot of these indigenous tribes know the destruction that logging and other, mining and other development could do for their property, but sometimes they also invite people in themselves because they feel like they have no economic choice. And I thought you really brought that to the fore in a way that we don't often see in this kind of reporting. Thanks. I'm, I'm pleased because that was, you know, as I was got into the reporting, I realized that that was the story I had to somehow get across. It's it's complex and difficult. No, this is the Kayapo tribe. Is that the way you pronounce it? Kayapo. Kayapo. Yeah, the accent, so to speak, is on the O at the end. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about these people and about why you chose them to to sort of act as the narrators of the story. I decided in a, a pragmatically to go to Turejam, the village I wrote about, because... It was described to me by, by my friends who knew it as a place that had succumbed to gold mining, mm -hmm. but which had been set up by a chief, a, a man called Muro, who died a few years ago, mm -hmm. uh, as a place that would somehow resist the outside developments, the mm -hmm. outside blandishments of the white settler community that have encroached on the edges of the reserve. And so I thought this, this perhaps was the best way to chronicle, to document what I believe to be happening across the Amazon. And, and once upon a time happened in the United States. Yeah. You win away one chief, you know, the, the famous whiskey whiskey bottle or, or whatever it was that, yeah. that with which, you know, outsiders have traditionally peeled away unity and created discord within tribal groups in order to make headway, get their land for whatever purposes. And that is exactly what's happening in the era and the edge of the Kayapo Reserve where I went. You write that this tribe only made regular contact with the outside world in the 1950s, which is not very long ago. How does a reporter go about approaching people like this and, and making the case for, I mean, it's hard enough to get, you know, people on the Upper West Side to agree to talk to you for a story for journalism. <laughs> how, how do you, how does that work? In the case of groups like the Kayapo, you're right. You know, 60 years ago, they were, by choice, a fierce people protecting their wilderness fastness by attacking anyone who came in. 
eventually in the 50s, and this happened across the Amazon, the Brazilian state made efforts to make contact with some of these groups. Some of them were disastrous, and the explorers who went in, or the scouts, as they called them, the Celtanistas, were themselves murdered. Yeah. In other cases, there were these were bloody clashes. But in the, in the middle part of the 20th century, many of the groups were contacted, agreed to exchange of gifts, and begin a kind of attenuated dialogue with the outside world. Mm-hmm. In the northeastern edge of the Cayapo Reserve, uh, which is where I went, there is a tradition since the 1980s that began under one chief, a man called Tuto Pombo, to negotiate with the outside world. Mm-hmm. And um, after a gold uh, invasion of gold prospectors, without permission, in the very early 80s, he sent in his sons and some warriors to take over the jungle airstrip of the prospectors and demand a share of the takings. Mm-hmm. So there began, under the in the part of the reserve, uh, uh, where there was gold and also mahogany, a kind of the beginnings of a kind of back and forth negotiation with the outside world. Mm-hmm. And after he died, the Brazilian state stepped in, and and you know under new guidelines uh, tried to control this sort of thing, this sort of relationship. Because of course, in the end, the indigenous people, the Kayapa, were always the losers. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's happened again. And now with a regime that, you know, you know, unabashedly does not only not care about the indigenous people or the jungle, it openly wants to, uh, you know, get rid of these reserves and the wilderness areas so that everyone, you know, can quote-unquote, get rich. Right. It's a very much a settler class that's in office now. I mean, what, what, what makes this tribe so interesting is that there is a split after Moreau died and his brother, who sounds like a bit of a ne'er-do-well, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I met him, yeah. He's a drunk. He's a drunk, as you described him. Um, then there's been this, there, there's factions, right, between those who want to not engage and those who want to engage. That's right. Tudejam the village, it, it represents a kind of swatch of, of wilderness and of the reserve, you know, remains, remained dangerously exposed to the outside world after Moro died. Um, it's right on the banks of a little river. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the mayor of the nearest white town, Orelandia, place of gold, kindly, generously paid for a conscri- the construction of a bridge over the river into the Kayapo village of Tudejam. And the road goes straight, you know, for about 40 minutes, a dirt track that goes to Orelandia, which was uh, a prospector and logger's town that is 30 years old. And 30 years ago began with the jungle airstrip, and now there's 50,000 people living there. And uh, the entire area right up to the Kayapo Reserve is now clear cut. And it's either cattle ranches, the minute they put the bridge through and the minute Muro died, uh, his brother sold him out. The prospectors were already circling. They'd already mined the white side of the river and they were wanting to get into the reserve, mm-hmm. which although it was illegal, uh, could be done because the, the Brazilian state is so weak in these areas. Uh, the federal police are, were underfunded even before Bolsonaro, underarmed and needed the help of NGOs to actually pay for helicopter hours to patrol. Imagine Yellowstone with 
let's say I'm I'm just throwing this out there. Let's let's say they have twelve guards. That's the, that's the kind of general situation right. in Brazil, right. and it's a, the same is true with these reserves. So, the past three and four years, with after Moro's death, his brother with a t- taste for cachaça, Brazil's famous alcohol, and um, the prospector circling, they basically have just devastated the place. Yeah, you know, as much as two hundred thousand uh, acres of the reserve in the vicinity of Torrejam has been completely destroyed. The successor to Moro is a was a rather weak but man who, you know, didn't have the leadership ability, didn't really want the chieftain chieftaincy, but nonetheless it fell upon him to shoulder it and, you know, lost control. Yeah. And at the point that I I came to meet him and, and got to know him, uh, you know, um, he was at first in a kind of state of denial, not wanting me to see what was happening. Mm-hmm. So we had several kind of protocular visits to the village and then gradually, and at my insistence, I was allowed to go in and see some of what was going on. And ultimately, I hired a bush plane to fly over, and it was just devastating, you know, just devastating. Yeah, and actually, I thought there was a heartbreaking quote in the piece, which gets at the conflict that people, these people have. You quote a miner who says, all of us here realize we're fucking the environment. It's not like we want to. It's that we haven't found any alternative means to survive. So they're doing this even though they know, even though they know the implication and the effect of what they're doing. Yeah. It, must, it must be it must be heartbreaking for them. Absolutely. I mean, the guy that you're you're quoting is a young man called Jorge Silva who actually, you know, had studied physics, and yet because of the nature of Brazil, because of maybe his parentage, lack of opportunities, you know, he. He's never been able to um, exercise his profession, so he's had a series of of jobs, everything from you know training high school soccer teams to doing this kind of work, prospecting. And it's hard work, you know, it's like 12 to 15 hours a day in the burning sun, you know, um, sluicing with a hose or moving rocks. It's tough work, and he and he. He was very aware of what he was doing. I mean, there was just devastation all around us. And he was a man with a conscience. There are plenty who don't have that at all. Right. You know, right. one suspects there are more than more that, that have consciences than those that don't, at least at the le- level of the Jorge Silvas. You right. know, the, the problem that the, that the jungle now has and that the people like the Kayapo now have is that just in the last four and five years, there has been the there's been the arrival of these vast machines they call escavadeiras. They're excavators, giant bulldozers mm-hmm. that can rip up the jungle to, uh, with a speed and to to a destruction on a scale unlike anything we've seen before. They cost about two hundred thousand dollars a piece, and increasingly, and I was told this even by people close to the gold miners that the narcos are behind it because not everybody can afford uh, these sorts of machines. At the height, there were hundreds operating uh, near Turejam just before Bolsonaro came into office with the help of NGOs, environmentalists. You know, the federal police carried out a raid that destroyed some of them and made some of the investors, shall we call them, pull back their excavators. But there are still plenty working. And the point is that for the narcotraficantes, the drug traffickers who are now powerful in Brazil, um, this is a way to both launder their money and with gold as 
valuable as cocaine now in terms of weight, dollars per weight, it's a lucrative business. So yeah. they're investing. That's yeah. the word. Yeah. And so you now have criminal networks. You know, before they were outlaws, they were, if you go back to the 80s, these were guys with generators and hoses, and they could do a lot of destruction, but nothing on the scale they can do now. Yeah. You know, it's 10 to 1, if not 20 to 1. And, you know, we're talking largely about guys like Jorge Silva, you know, poor man in a poor country that has always been unequal, and it, in its frontier, there's an absence of the state. So it's, kind, you know, it's salvese quien puede, save yourself if you can. Do whatever you have to do to make a living, whether it's burn the forest and create a little yucca patch or a manioc patch or put a few cows down or join the latest gold rush, mm -hmm. um, of which there are a number happening all around the Amazon. And so, um, you know, but now you've got biggies, you know, bankrolling this thing. Yeah. And one suspects that that's where the political support for this industry and related industries is coming from, from corrupt governors, senators, uh, people long associated with destruction in the Amazon, the murder of environmental activists, of, of you know, indigenous activists, and uh, people associated with it to what they call the Bancada Ruralista, the agribusiness lobby in Brazil, which is the most powerful lobby in the country. Yeah, you, you, you lay out in your piece the sort of long history of the conquest of the forest. So it's not, it, this isn't a Bolsonaro, it wasn't a problem that began with Bolsonaro. This goes back decades and no. decades. But there is an acceleration now, partly because of global climate change. You quote this American biologist, Thomas Lovejoy, talking about the, the fires that we've seen in the Amazon. And he makes the point that the Amazon produces 20% of the world's rainwater and is in danger of not being able to produce enough rain for itself, right? That's right. So you've been reporting on this for a very long time. Did you leave there, and you've been you've been sort of chronicling this sort of slow destruction of this place. Did you leave there with a new level of pessimism than you've had before? You know, both in this trip and an earlier one I made at the beginning of the year, following Bolsonaro's victory, I traveled to Mato Grosso and I spent some days with the Chavante people who are contiguous to the Cayapo, hundreds of miles away. But again, a recently contacted former warrior people, both there and not in Turejan, but I also traveled to the interior of the Cayapo Reserve. I spent some days in both places with first Chavante and then Cayapo people who were resisting these um, activities, gold mining, logging, and trying to continue to live according to their ways while being led by, in both cases, men who had the benefits of outside world education and, you know, a, a political view that it was necessary to fight to, uh, you know, to incorporate some of the better aspects of our world while preserving theirs. It's a very delicate balancing act that they're doing, but merely meeting them, these, these handful of leaders that do exist, and spending some days in their communities gave me a feeling of hope, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. It may be a one hope. It, it, you know, most of the people I meet believe that it's all doomed, you know, in, in, including the people fighting to preserve it. And, you know, they privately, they, many of them, I've heard many of them say that they believe that inevitably it's all doomed, but they would never admit it in public. Right. 
I don't feel that it's all doomed. Some group of people who will not simply trade away their culture, their language, their beliefs, their everything uh, for a motorbike and um, an iPhone. But a lot of people will. Yeah. So it's it's kind of, you know, it depends on my mood. <laughs> and how lucky you are as a journalist to be able to go to these places. How long were you there? I was in the Kayapo territory for a couple of weeks. And yeah. did you you have these that the New Yorker published these um, gorgeous photographs? Did did the, was this photographer with you the whole time? He was Mauricio Lima, and he's Brazilian, lives in Europe. And I um, I suggested that we might look to him as someone in the photo department. Uh, agreed and chose him, which mm. was a great thrill. Yeah. Well. Um, it's great to have you. It is a, it's a masterful piece, and I thought it was just it shed just a whole new way of thinking about this problem, and I and I appreciate it, and I'm glad you came on. Thanks a lot, Kyle. I really appreciate it. So you can read John Lee Anderson's piece in the New Yorker about the Kayapo and what's happening with mining and the destruction of the Amazon. You can read a lot more climate news on Covering Climate Now, which is a project of CJR and the Nation, which you can access via the CJR website at cjr.org, and read everything else that we're doing on our website and on the Media Today, our daily email newsletter. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Mm-hmm.